you for coming to church. This is the second Sunday in the month of June. We have agreed as a house that the month of June, by the leadings of God's Spirit, is a month of evangelism. Someone say evangelism. Evangelism. In other words, this month, being a month of evangelism, is a sub-theme under the general theme for this year. It's a year of revival, 2019. And we cannot talk about revival without being active participants in the work of evangelism. Hallelujah. So the Lord would want us to use some of the meetings to stress on how we can go about being effective tools in the hands of God to be a witness. In fact, that will be the message next two weeks. Be a witness. And then next week, we'll be talking about receive the ministry of reconciliation. But today, by the grace of God, we're talking about personalize the gospel. Tell you about personalize. Personalize. The gospel. The gospel. I would want to encourage all those of us who are members and even those who are active partners and followers of International Prayer Resource Ministries to go back to the YouTube or to our podcast and then get a message I preached last year titled The Gospel Simplified. Hallelujah. I believe that will help us to really understand the bedrock, the foundation for this particular message, Personalize the Gospel. You know, sometimes because we are not all here at the same time and we are not following at the same pace, you are tempted to repeat yourself. But it's good that we have the record. So it's on YouTube as well as on even on Facebook is there and then on our podcast um, Samuel Excellence Podcast you can also get it either on you know all the devices Android iOS even on the web hallelujah because in that message we explain what the gospel is all about hallelujah alright so this morning as a follow up on that message we are saying personalize a gospel and if I may ask when we say personalize something, this is English language. What does it mean to personalize something? Is Allah. The way you're looking at my piece. I like that. Joseph says, make it yours. yours. Can you put your hands together for him? Someone say, make it yours. Make Any it other yours. rendering? Maybe you have a, a better communication. Personalize something. It means what? Yes. Own it. I like that. Put your hands together for Mr. Allah also. So make it yours. Own it. Any other expression? Make it yours. Own it. I thought I saw a hand. Why are the English people in the house? All right. So when we say personalize the gospel, as Joseph has said, make it yours. Mr. Allah says, own it. I will also say, of course, here we are talking about the gospel. So it means that take what is God's and make it your own. Make it yours. Hallelujah. Amen. They have actually answered, you know, the, 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 the theme of today's message. Take God's passion 
and make it your passion. Take God's will and make it your will. Take God's desire and make it your desire. Take the message of the gospel, own it, and make it yours. Hallelujah. Amen. You will discover in the course of the message, for instance, that Apostle Paul, as passionate as he was about the gospel at a point in time, called it my gospel. He's, he called it the gospel of Jesus Christ, but somewhere along the line, he called it my gospel. He personalized it. He owned it. He made it his own. Hallelujah. If we are ever going to be active instruments in the hands of God to evangelize, this month we are only preparing ourselves, but I believe all throughout the year of revival, for the next six months, we should personalize the gospel, own it, make it yours, make it look as though you are responsible. Actually, that is the crux of the message. You are responsible for souls who should not perish. It's as though if you do not do it, nobody else will do it. So you take personal responsibility for the souls that God has assigned to you. Please, are you there? Kindly turn your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. I would want us to look at some two scriptures in 2 Peter 3, 9 and then 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. 2 Peter 3, 9 actually tells us what God does not will or what he wouldn't want to happen. We are looking at two things. What God will not want to happen and then what God would wish that it happens. So we are looking at God has not willed this sin. So me too, I take it and I don't will that this will happen. God, God's will is this. Me too, I take it and make it mine. Is that alright? Alright. 2 Peter 3 9. Kara andos provaragadesh. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. The word slack means slow, unwilling to act. He says, The Lord is not slack. As some people have considered that, oh, the Lord is too slow, he's too slack. Now, people say that when God takes his stone, he does not throw it fast. He's slow. He says, by revelation, Peter says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Here, he was dealing with his promise of coming back to the earth. He is dealing with his promise of, let me use the word, renovating the heavens and the earth making it a better world. He is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing. Someone say not willing. So here we are looking at what God is not willing. And then we will now look at what God wills. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word perish here is a very strong word. A very, very strong word. It means to be outrightly cast away from God, disconnected from God, separated from God forever. And of course, 
where Bible has said that people will be separated from God forever, according to Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, is the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Did you hear that? That place was never prepared for any human being. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that anyone should go into the everlasting fire, not willing that anyone should be outrightly cast from his presence, separated from him forever. In other words, to suffer the second death. That's what the Bible calls the second death. He is not willing. It is never the will of God that any human being should perish. He says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, to have a change of mind. The word repentance here means to change your mind. God is not slack. If God has been waiting and waiting and has not fulfilled his promise, it's not because he cannot do it within a snap of his finger. Or by the blink of his eye. Not that he cannot do it. It is simply because if he acts, many will perish. And yet, he is not willing that any, someone say any. In other words, there is nothing like some people have been destined to go to hell or to go into the everlasting fire and others have been destined to go to heaven. Never. There is nothing like that. I have taught in this house before, briefly, when I said in passing about predestination. Maybe one day we can take it as a subject and deal with it appropriately. But predestination, according to scripture, is not about some people have been predestined to go to heaven and others have been predestined to go to hell. So in, in your mind, you can say that, oh, because this one has been predestined to go to hell, then I will do nothing about it. That's not God's will. Predestination has got nothing to do with human beings, but it has got everything to do with God's program. He has predestined, to predestine means he, before time began, his mind, his foreknowledge, his destination for all humankind is that we will be like his son. So that his son will be the firstborn amongst many brethren. So in Romans chapter 8, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, the son, might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. So the foreknowledge of God is that one day I'm going to have a family better than Adam and Eve's family. It is called the first fruits of all of God's creation. The first fruits means the first and the best. Look, you have no idea who we're going to be like. That is what John said in 1 John chapter 3. He says that, beloved, it has not yet appeared what we shall be. We seem not to have the faintest idea about what God is talking about, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Have you seen him as he is? In his glorified state, with a glorified body, a body that can walk through walls, a body that can appear and disappear. We're going to be like him. That is God's foreknowledge. He has a program in mind that he will have a family made up of glorified saints. Not just people who have glorified spirits, but also glorified bodies. 
such that death will have no control over that body. Are you there? That is God's predestination. And then in that same Romans chapter 8, he says, for whom he predestined, he called. So he's calling out everybody. He's calling everyone to come and see the light. The light of the world is Jesus. He's calling. Anybody who will hear and answer, he makes you a part of that family. And whom he called, he justified. Once you answer, he makes you right. Not because you did right, but he makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. And whom he justified, he glorified. Listen, you know that he's going to glorify, he glorified. In other words, already we are glorified on the inside. But ultimately, we're going to be like him on the outside. And that's God's predestination. So please, if anybody ever taught you that, oh, there are some people, yeah, there are some nations that have been predestined to go to hell and others have been predestined to go to heaven, I don't see that in my Bible. He is not willing that any, and if God says any, he means any, should perish. Even the worst sinner, if he or she repents, God will receive him. He said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will under no circumstance cast out. Because God knows the value of eternal damnation. And he knows the weight and the input and the import and the impact of being separated from him forever. He knows it. It is damnable. It's unimaginable to spend eternity in a fire that does not kill you and yet you are burning. And even the worms that go through your, your body, the Bible says, they do not die. According to scripture, the worms, they run through your body. You are feeling worms and the worms do not die by the fire. And you are feeling worms moving through your body. They are not quenched by the fire nor the brimstone and you are forever suffering. Do you think that that is God's program for any human being? No. He prepared that for the devil and his angels. Someone say, why didn't God make Satan repent? He has no room to repent. Why? Because he doesn't have blood. He was not made of flesh and blood. He was made of what? Light. He made his angels ministering spirits. And he made them from light according to scripture. So they don't have blood. And the law of God is that the universal law of God is that without the shedding of blood, there is no washing away. There is no remission of sins. So once Satan conceived iniquity, and iniquity was found in him, that iniquity remained in him. And since God cannot countenance sin, the only thing is to banish that person from his presence forever. Unlike us, when Adam sinned, because he was made of flesh and blood, and since his blood was contaminated, God just banished him from the garden so that he would not go ahead and eat the fruit of life. Because if he had gone ahead to eat of the fruit of life, he would have lived forever in his sins. Meaning nobody would have come to die as his substitute. So out of love, God booted him out of the garden. Sometimes when God pushes us and it feels like, why am I going through all these things? It's born of love because God is love. Everything God does is born of love. Hallelujah. So God does not will that any should perish. And we are saying that to personalize the gospel is to make God's will your will have you come to the place where you do not wish you do not will you do not desire that any should perish even your worst enemy because that enemy is only used by satan who is the actual enemy 
He does not waste. Look, if you ever know about hell, and if you know, ever know about eternal damnation, you will never wish that even your worst enemy should go there. Never. It's horrible to say the least. It's unimaginable. Can you imagine? Sometimes when we are walking this earth, and when and then under the scorching sun, we say, Oh God, why well, am I suffering like this? I'm always walking. I wish that you will have the revelation to know that down, 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 down this same earth you are walking on, and you are complaining under its sun. In the belly of the earth, according to scripture, are human souls who shouldn't have gone there, who are languishing in hellfire. And from there, even hell will be cast into the everlasting fire. And all those people shall also be cast there. And they waste, according to, this was not a parable, this was a true story Jesus told. Because in the law of parables, names are not mentioned. But Jesus mentioned the name of Lazarus and a rich man. And Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and the rich man was in, in torment asking for uh, Father Abraham to just send Lazarus who was once serving him. Even in hell, he is still looking for a servant to just dip his finger in water and drop it on his tongue. Please, are you there? Not willing that any should perish. Can we personalize the gospel? Can we make this will our will? that I do not will that any shall perish. It is when you make that will of God your will, that is when you will have the drive. You will have the passion. You will have the impetus. You will have that, that thing that will make you not sleep. I like Apostle Paul for one thing. There was a time in the book of Romans, he actually told the Roman church that I have preached from Jerusalem to Illyricum. You know Illyricum? That's modern day Yugoslavia. I have preached from Jerusalem to Illyricum and there is no more room. I have, I'm, and look, even his policy was that he was not going to preach where another person has preached. Paul's policy was that he was going where it was virgin, you know, virgin land. If Apostle Peter had gone there, he was not going there because that's somebody's labor. Apostle Peter will give account. But he will look for virgin land, souls who had never been communicated with the gospel. And he said from Jerusalem to modern day Yugoslavia, he had preached and he had no more past. So since he had no more past, he was coming to them in Rome to come and preach. What a passionate person. A man who had the gospel as his, as his own. And he owned the gospel. He made it his own. And he felt responsible that he's a woe is unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Have you ever said that before? That woe is me. If, I, if the thing that God has given me, if I don't pass it out, woe is me. Because God will require the blood of all those who will perish from your hands. Because you knew it. The Bible says to him that knows to do good and does not do it. James 4, 17. To him it is what? It is sin. So sin is not just what we have only done, but sometimes the things we did not do can, can cost us on the day of judgment. Personalize the gospel. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 2. Sorry, first Timothy rather. Chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Let's read from verse 1 through 4. Rabakosh. Dosegirigagantos. First Timothy chapter 2. Let me read from verse 1 through 4. The King James is what I will look at. But let me just read the New King James first. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, 
intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's why we pray when we come to church in the morning for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Verse 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let me read from the King James. It's okay. I like the new King James, but I just wanted to see based on the definition we have given to personalize another word in verse 4 of First Timothy chapter 2 and in the King James Version. Let me read from verse 1 here. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will let me say, who will are you seeing the will of God here? Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? God desires, his will is that how many men be saved? All men. So don't say some people have been predestined not to be saved. That's what I'm saying. That I've not seen that in my Bible yet. Predestination is not about human beings. It's about the eternal purposes of God. So that anybody who conforms to that program is made to conform to the image of Christ so that he is he becomes a brother of the firstborn so that he Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brethren think about it when we can call ourselves brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ it's a wonderful family say I have a senior brother don't mess up with me I have a senior brother he will he will deal with you like no man's business hallelujah when Satan wants to misbehave tell him hey don't try it I have a senior brother and then remind him, do you remember when he met you in hell? Bible says in Colossians, he disarmed principalities and powers and made a public show over them, triumphing over them in it. So, when Satan is messing you up, Satan, I have a senior brother. Remember, he dealt with you and he would deal with you again. And even when your time comes, not even him, an angel, just an angel will bind you with a big chain and cast you into the bottomless pit. That tells you how how limited Satan is. He is using power over the natural man. But for us, in Christ Jesus, we have something bigger and better. That is why you must stay in the spirit and don't come in the flesh. Because in the flesh, he has power over you. Are you there? He says that, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications. Meaning that in evangelism, that there is a place for prayer. Are you there? We cannot talk about going to evangelize without first and foremost. Who goes to the battlefield without preparing? You prepare. You count the cost. You are going into an enemy's territory. You've got to strategize. The Bible says if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden from those who are lost. Whom the God of this world, that is Satan, has, whose mind the God of this world has blinded so that the, the light of the glorious gospel should shine in their heart and they should, they should believe. Satan has blinded the minds of people. So how do you go and tell somebody that give your heart to Jesus when you have not first prayed and dealt with that blindness? He will hear, but he will not hear. He will just be looking at you and even make mockery of you that look at him. Instead of even going to look for some job, he says he's preaching. He's telling what gospel. Get out of my sight. And the worst of it all is when 
he can see from even your demeanor, your appearance, your communication that you are even jobless. He will make mockery of you. As if to say, you know, you have no job. That is why you want to come and tell the gospel so you take money from him. That is why God will make you rich. So rich that when you are telling the gospel, not only with your words, but even by your, by your appearance. Say, ah, this one. Let me give my heart to the, the Jesus that this one is talking about. Hallelujah. He said, my city is through prosperity. Shall yet be spread abroad. There is a place for prosperity. There is a place. It is only because we have, we have overemphasized it. That is why it seems like prosperity is not good. But there is a place for it. It is in the program of God. It's an amplifier. But if you have a, an evil heart, then money will amplify that evil. But if you have a good heart, money will amplify that good. So that you go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. For God is with you like Jesus in Acts 10.38. Hallelujah. Who am I talking to? I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. Before you check out of your home, start praying for all men. Father, it is your will that all men be saved. I'm praying for all men. Then he said for kings and for those who are in authority. You have no idea why we have to pray for, you know, those who are in governmental positions, kings, authorities, you have no idea. Because Satan will always want to make such kings negotiate with him. You see, you're talking about a world that Satan was once in charge of. Take note. He was an archangel in charge of this earth. I hope you, you know that. This very earth that his feet used to walk on, God gathered the dust of that earth and then put the thing that Satan was looking for, he put it in that dust. And you and I became that thing. So it is so infuriating to Satan. It's like, ah, the thing that I was looking for because he just eyed God. He could see how the, all the angels will just revere God, bow before God. And the thing that made God God, he was looking for it. So mm, I will ascend, you know, onto the hill and I will also be like the most high God. And he managed to convince one third of the angels. And God said, you know what? What you're looking for? The very place where you were walking on, I'll just gather the dust and put my spirit, that thing, I'll breathe into that thing and man became a living soul. So ever since, man has become his target. He's been looking for man like no man's business. So when you now become a king on earth or a, a president on earth or a ruler on earth and you want to rule, he says, this is my territory. If you want to rule like he did to Jesus, let's negotiate. So many people who are in kingship and authority have negotiated. Some have compromised. And for them to be able to bring light to their nations, it's not going to be easy unless somebody who has light will pray and remove that blindness. They love the praises of men more than the praises of God. So many have compromised. And you are going into such a territory with just words. It must start with prayer. So he says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. And the King James says, honesty. The New King James says, reverence. So this is the point, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence or honesty. It depends on our prayer. This is where International Prayer Resort Ministry comes in. That's one of our mandates. Especially as we journey towards 2020. 
Satan has horrible plans just as God has many wonderful plans. And so if you just sleep, then Satan's plans can be implemented. But we stop the enemy in the name of Jesus. I said we stop the enemy in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are stopping him in time past and we will stop him again. Amen. Like Jesus. Look at Jesus. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We, he is no longer in the world, but we are here. So when we personalize the gospel, we cannot say, as long as we are here, darkness has no room to operate. You tell yourself, as long as I'm here, this is the territory God has given us, we occupy till he comes. Satan has no room to operate. Then the verse 4 of 1 Timothy 2 says that, let me take it from verse 3, it says that, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, then the verse 4 says, who will have all men? Who will have all men? He will have all men to be saved. He will. It is the will of God that all men be saved and to come to their epignosis. The word knowledge there is epignosis of the truth. In other words, the exact, complete, full, accurate knowledge of the truth. Some have partial knowledge of the truth. And partial knowledge is more dangerous than outright error. Can I say that again? Partial knowledge is more dangerous than outright error. Because in outright error, the person is fully in darkness. So you can rescue the person. But when the person has some light and he's still combining darkness, he thinks that because he has some light, he is okay. Meanwhile, it is partial knowledge. And so it makes you comfortable. And God says, no, 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 no. He wants men to come to the exact knowledge of the truth, the complete knowledge of the truth, the epignosis of the truth, the knowledge of the truth. That's God's will. Can we make God's will our will? That is what I mean by personalize the gospel. Make God's will your will. He will have all men to be saved. So in your dream, in your vision, it's not everybody you may have access to, to talk to. That is why two weeks from now, I will talk about be a witness. You will discover in that message that it's not all the time you may talk. Just by your example, you can win others. That is why when you're a bad example, we need to whip you. Can I say that again? I said that is why when you're a bad example, we need to do what? Whip you. Because Bible says that by their behavior, they, some people have, you know, corrupted the way of truth and have made others speak of the way of truth. And Bible says when you do that, you are crucifying to the to yourself the Son of God afresh and making an open shame of Him. Others mock mock God because of you. It's dangerous. Say, I will be an example. Hallelujah. That will be two weeks from now. Be a witness. Hallelujah. So, to personalize the gospel, we are saying that what? Make God's will your will. What God wills, let it be your will. What God does not will, let it not be your will. God does not will that any shall perish. I do not will that any shall perish. God wills that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I will that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Can we personalize the gospel? First, we say what God does not will, do not will it. So, if he says, not willing that any shall perish, say, I do not will from today, today that any shall perish. That any shall perish. Maybe you are here and you are just dreaming that this mother-in-law, mm. let her just die, cry, then I'll be free. Hey. God is telling you today that he is, does not will that any shall perish. I don't know who I'm talking to. I've stepped on some toes, I know. 
or you are just praying that this brother who is a border let some accident be happening let his legs break and then you stop disturbing me no he does not will that any should perish that I also come to repentance how beautiful it is when a man can you imagine if the church was praying against a man like Paul the apostle you know at the point in time he was doing havoc to the church Bible says that he moved from cities to city you know state to state he took you know letters and then gave he was given authority to go and do havoc to the church he took some and even killed them and when they were stoning Stephen to death he was the one supervising their death he was telling them throw the stone well hit his head hit his no can you imagine if the church at that time was like God let this man perish let him die let him just leave the service of the earth we would not have had to test of the New Testament. But I believe that some people pray for him. Father, let this man meet the master himself. Let him have an encounter with this same Jesus and let him be the preacher of this same gospel. And one day on his way to Damascus, oh, there was a light that was brighter than the noonday sun that shone and blinded him. For three days the man was blind and yet he saw in a vision. Do you know we don't see with our physical eyes, we see with our minds. He was blinded physically and yet he saw Ananias come. And Ananias said to him in a vision the lord has sent me to you know minister to you so that you receive your sight and it happened three days after exactly so may god give you visions may god open the spiritual eyes of your spirit Amen. i mean your the eyes of your spirit so that you will begin to see your future Amen. before it happens Amen. in the name of jesus Amen. then we also say that in first Timothy 2 he wills that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So say, I will, I will that all men, that all men be, saved be saved and to come to the knowledge, of, to the the knowledge of the truth. Look, truth is powerful. Mm. You shall know the truth and the and truth shall truth. make you free. free. Many people are in bondage because they have not known the truth yet. They believe that some man somewhere is the super ogre. Said that if you touch him, he will finish you. No. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. Bible says, fear no man. Mm. Yeah, it's in, it's, in, it's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. It says that, let your life be without covetousness and be content with certain things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. I will not fear. Say, I will not fear. I will not fear. What man shall do to me? What man shall do to me? It may seem like I'm digressing, but I'm communicating to somebody. I'm communicating to somebody. Because this is a prophetic church, mind you. So as I'm preaching, I'm prophesying to somebody. Yes. Fear no man. Amen. Bible says in Romans 34, let God be true, but every man a liar. Yeah, yeah. So if the man has said that if you do not do ABC, let's see what will happen to you. Tell him, hey, you did not create me. You don't even know how God put his breath into me. I will live to see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. When they speak, speak back, in, not to the person, but in the realm of the spirit. Because words contest with words. Don't fight physically. Don't say, I'm going to show him red pepper. I'm going to show him who I am. No. No. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There are people who have sold their souls out to Satan, I know. There are some people who have, who have avowed Satan agents i know there are people who are working against the gospel we preach i know and yet as 
agents of light and righteousness, we can still personalize the gospel and trust that some way, somehow, God in his mercy and love can rescue them. But when they confront you, you don't confront them back physically. At least take the battle to the realm of the spirit and do the battle there. Hallelujah. Alright, you remember Paul said in Romans chapter 116, he says, I am not ashamed. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Some say who believes. Who believes. It's a very key word. Then it's a first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. That is a Sunday school message. Why first to the Jew? Because the gospel was first brought to the Jews and they rejected it. And then God wanted to provoke them to jealousy so he brought it to the Gentiles. But Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel for it is the power of God. The gospel that we preach is the power of God that saves everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. But turn your Bible with me, please, to Romans chapter 10. Let me show you something. I will read through quickly because my time is up. Romans 10. Let me read from verse 11 through 17. Romans chapter 10. Bear in mind, the gospel is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. Then in verse 11 of Romans 10, he says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Someone say amen. How shall they believe unless they hear? And how shall they hear unless it is preached unto them. And how shall they preach unless they are saints? I hope you know we have been sent. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've been sent. In the general will of God, there are specific wills. Whatever be the case, we must find that specific will of God in this general will, which is go ye. All of us must go. But some way, somehow, the Holy Spirit, who is our leader, the one that's supposed to be given the right of way will guide you. There was a time Paul and, and, and his companions wanted to go to a particular place called Mysia, M-Y-S-I-A, and the Holy Spirit said, don't go. Another time they wanted to go to Bithynia, the Holy Spirit said, don't go. But in a vision, they saw a man from Macedonia, that's in Greek, I mean Greece, rather, you know, calling on them that come over to Macedonia and help us. And then the Bible said they, Paul told them the vision. Paul was almost saw the vision. But when he told them, they all recounted that the Lord had led them to Greece. And then they went there. But even in the will of God, you know, they, they suffered some things. What am I trying to say? In the general will of God, go into all the world. It's not everywhere that you may just get up and say, I'm going. That is why we start with prayer. Then the Holy Spirit will tell you, this place is not ripe yet. Wait. Keep on praying. I will send you at the appropriate time. But here, the green light is there. Go. He guides us. But whichever way, we must go. We have been sent. 
We have been saints. As a church, we cannot keep on receiving and receiving and receiving without making up our mind somewhere along the line that what I've received, I must also give out. Are you there? Go ye. In two weeks from now, when I'll be teaching about be a witness, you'll discover that everybody has his world. Your world may not be my world. In church, our world is this environment. But out of church, your world is maybe your workplace, your community, your home. But go ye into all the world. There are some worlds I may not be able to penetrate, but you can. Because you are the guy in that world. You are the CEO. Be a witness there. Hallelujah. Not just by your words, but by your example, you can win somebody to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But whatever be the case, the, the point we are making this morning is that personalize the gospel. Make God's will, your will, and God's passion, your passion, God's desire, your desire. Until you do that, you are not ready to walk with God yet. And like I told you, that at the end of this message, Romans chapter 2 verse 16, you can read it for me. You see Apostle Paul with so much passion, so much passion, said that he now called the gospel which he has said in Romans 1 16 as the gospel of Christ. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But in Romans chapter 2 verse 16, the gospel of Christ now became his gospel. Romans 2 16, please. In the day when God shall judge the the secret of man hmm. by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Did you hear that? According to what? My according he, now, the man now made the gospel his personal message. My gospel. Oh, I pray that God will raise the people Amen. who will make the gospel of Jesus Christ Amen. their gospel. Amen. You tell that neighbor, I have good news. Hmm. Say, which good news? And then you tell the story as if you were there when it happened. They will even ask you, but were you there? They say, I believe what is written in the Bible. Say, what shows? This one is history. What shows that it is true? You just, you just tell her that I don't need to see. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. My spirit tells me that what is written is true. I have a witness in my spirit that it is true. Amen. And by that conviction, as you are talking, the Holy Spirit will use your words to just be removing the blindness. That is what the gospel does. As you are talking, you may not know as you are just being, you are just communicating but the Holy Spirit uses that avenue mm. until it is spoken the Holy Spirit doesn't have the avenue to remove the blindness it is the gospel it, it is a gospel that brings the power to save Amen. until we preach until we tell somebody what we know and what we have believed Paul said in 2 Timothy 1 12 he said I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded mm. Mm. until we are persuaded about this gospel we may never preach it We'll just hear it and go and sleep. What are you doing on this earth? I'm asking a question. You hear it, go and sleep. What are you doing on this earth? Then you better get ready and go home. Because over there they are resting. But here we are working. We are laborers together with God. The Bible says so. Paul said, we are laborers together with God. Did you hear that? We are, we are yoke fellows. It's like you and God have been yoked together. Where he goes is where you are going. What he does is what you are doing. You have made his will your will. You have made his desire your desire. His passion your passion. Don't live for this life. Child of God. It is too cheap to live for only this life. If everything you are laboring for is just to make a name for yourself and to settle here and enjoy here, then I, I want to admonish you it is too cheap because Peter tells us that seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. 
The things we are laboring for, all of them shall be resolved. They don't mean anything. They are only to serve as a means to an end, to just get a soul who shall not perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But how shall they believe and let somebody preach to him? Give somebody a chance to believe the gospel. Give somebody, not necessarily by talking, by your example, they'll come and ask you, and I can see that everybody is afraid, but you don't seem to be afraid. What is the secret of your calmness? What is the secret? I remember in the University of Ghana, somebody asked me a question one day. He said, how come you're not afraid of exams? I said, ah, how can I be afraid of exams? He said, no, but you seem to be calm. I said, ah, but you want me to be agitated for what? So no, but I don't understand. You seem to be calm. I said, ah, that is the way I live my life. I can't be afraid of exams. You see, it is, it is, it, we can extrapolate it to life. When you have not prepared yourself to meet Jesus, you'll be afraid on the day of accountability. That is why you see people who are about to die. Do you know when people are about to die, they may have everything on this earth. And if they have never prepared themselves to meet with Jesus, there are two things they'll be asking for. You know, if you ask him, what do you want? Say, can you give me time? Time. Because at that moment, if they have time, God can restore the years. Are you there? All they need is time. Then he will restore the years that they have wasted. But don't wait till it is last minute. Bible says that harden not your heart. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Hallelujah. Let me give opportunity to anybody who is here who might have heard the gospel over and over and personally might not have made a personal decision to receive Jesus. We start from our home. Then we can go out there. This is Jerusalem. Then we'll go to all Judea. Then to Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Is there anybody here? You might have heard this gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody who took your place, who carried your sin, my sin, died my death, your death, and went to hell in my name. Hasn't he saved me? He has. That is why we say, then he's my savior. If he's my savior, then I confess him as my Lord. Once you confess him as your Lord, you are moved from the lordship of Satan onto the lordship of Christ. Can I say this? When I taught on the gospel simplified, I said something very important that everybody must bear in mind. There are so many people out there who say that, oh, as for me, I'm not a sinner. Can't you see that I don't do all the things that they do out there? I don't smoke. I don't chase women. I don't chase men. I don't drink alcohol. I don't, I don't misbehave. I'm a cool guy. I'm cool in my corner somewhere. I don't mean pay me one same. And it's okay to do that. But that is not what the gospel is all about. That is morality. Morality is not the same as being in Christ. Please, are you there? And you see, Satan can deceive such people because so long as they are cool and collected, it's okay with Satan. So long as the sin nature in them has not been washed away, the secret about the gospel is that when the gospel is believed, the Holy Spirit washes the sin nature and automatically the person is translated from the dominion, from the lordship of Satan to the lordship of Christ. When the sin nature, the sin nature did not originate from man, it originated from Satan. He became the first rebel. Sin is rebellion. So when you are not born again, the rebellious nature is still in your spirit. So though you may be nice and calm and cool and collected, you are a rebel in the sight of God. And as far as God is concerned, you are still under the lordship of Satan because you are not 
was yet. The sin nature makes Satan have dominion over you. So, yes, you may be nice on earth, but one day when you exit the earth, you will go where your Lord is. The everlasting fire. This is the crux of the gospel. So it's not about, oh, this, the man is nice, especially our sisters who want to marry. The first requirement you must find out from the man, and you must verify through some time of friendship and acquaintance. Is that okay? Don't just say, oh, the man says he's born again. Prove it by his example. But the man says he's born again, but you can see that over there in the background, he's doing something that doesn't look like he's born again. Don't just believe his words. Prove it by his actions. The first requirement to find out whether somebody can be a married partner is, is he in the law or he's not? If he's not in the law, don't begin it. Don't say that, oh, but he's a nice man. And he even has, some people say that, oh, he says that I'm the only one that he will marry. I mean, he, he's a nice man. And he's educated also. He has all the money. He, those things are good, but they are not the primary requirement for choice of married partner. Why have I stepped into marriage? Because I believe somebody wants to, um, to hear this. I mean, needs to hear this. That, hey, it's not about just being cool and collected. He told Nicodemus in the face. Nicodemus was a, was a master of the law. He was a doctor of the law. Jesus looked at him in the face and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, unless that sin nature is washed away, you are still under the lordship of Satan. And Satan may blind you to this reality until the day when you are about to leave. That is when you realize, hey, you can literally feel, I've seen people at the hospital here, 37, I've seen big people about to die and you can see that literally they have stepped into hell because something is burning them. <sighs> Can you give me water? Can you give me water? Can you give me time? All they are looking for is water and time. Water and time. Water and time. Jesus said, I am the, I'm the, I'm the living water. He is a living water. You need, if you want to satisfy the emptiness in your heart, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you have Jesus and you don't have anything, it's okay. But if you have everything and you don't have Jesus, you are empty. Can I recommend Jesus to somebody who is here and is not yet born again? This is our Jerusalem. Let's start from here. You, are, you don't know this Jesus. That means you are still under the lordship of Satan. It doesn't matter how nice you are, educated you are, how powerful you are in society, you are still under the lordship of Satan. And don't let Satan deceive you. One day, when you exit this earth without Jesus, you will go where he is. Matthew 25, 41 says, it's the everlasting fire prepared, not for any human being, but for the devil and his angels.